Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 104, part two of the Post 20 podcast. This will be my end of this week's episode uh, due to scheduling issues, and obviously it's the holidays currently recording this on Thanksgiving, so hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving with uh, their friends, families, and whatnot, um, and all were safe during the whole time and that. Um, special guest this week, since uh, probably in a couple months we've had somebody on the show, uh, Zach, my brother, reoccurring guest, uh, is back on the program. Zach, how we doing today? Been a while, but I'm back on my Thanksgiving break. Just talk a bit about some soccer. Yeah, we just finished eating our, our turkey and everything about an hour or two ago, so it's starting to digest. I just went to the bathroom already. Um, let Might hear this. Sleepiness in my voice, but yeah. I am here, ready to talk. Yeah, the crash is coming soon after eating all that. Usually going to take a fat nap. Um, decided we're just going to record this now before that happens because uh, we probably won't have the energy to record at all. So wanted to get this out to you guys as soon as possible. Um, so yeah, let's just get right into it. Uh, recapping the game week 12 matches. First, we had league leaders Chelsea win 3-0 against Leicester. Now this game was very one-sided. Um, Chelsea dominated the game from start to finish. A lot of great chances. Um, and a lot of guys on the score sheet here that you don't conventionally see. Rudiger and Golo Kante, and then Christian Pulisic getting his first goal back um, after a long time injured. Um, you don't really see many N'Golo Kante goals, but when they do happen, it's a great it's a great thing to watch. Um, I've seen it as pearly whites after he scores. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Um the team looked great. Leicester shaky in there. It's already always tough when you have a key man like Tillyman's out. Um, and no James Madison. He's kind of been on and off with his form. He's looked absolutely a massive drop off from last season um, with his numbers, uh, as well as Harvey Barnes. So those key guys aren't helping Jamie Vardy up top, and it's too much of a too much of a load on his shoulders, if you will, um, for him to bear all alone. So. And going up against Chelsea like this, it's uh, it's a hard task. They've only given up four goals in the league. Um, is it is it one of those games, Zach, that if you're Leicester, you just brush off? It's like you're coming up against one of the top sides. There's nothing you could do. Or is it uh, disappointing that you couldn't get anything out of this match? I mean, not scoring at home is tough. I think they brush it off, though. Chelsea's very hot right now, and they had a lot of injuries, so... I think they can bounce back from it. It was a tough fixture at this point in their season. Yeah, and if you're Chelsea, you're trying to extend that lead. You have Man City and Liverpool creeping behind you. Um, West Ham didn't uh, get the result go this. Did, didn't get the result to go their way this week, so they fall a little bit behind that top three pack. Um, but a great result from Chelsea. They move on to this week a huge matchup against Manchester United that could um, have that has a lot of storylines on it. Um, but we also picked up a little a knock here and there from the Champions League a few days ago against Juventus. Um, N'Golo Conte tweaked his ankle again a little bit, uh, but it's not as bad as Ben Chilwell. Ben Chilwell, apparently, I believe, if I'm reading this, um, messed up his ACL or MCL. Yeah, ACL. So um, he'll definitely be out until the new year. And worst case scenario, they're saying, is until the end of the season. So. Um, that's a massive, massive injury dealt to us. And for him personally, it sucks because of um, missing out on all those international games and potentially losing a spot in the World Cup squad. So um, it's kind of a good thing for him that it's in the winter now instead of the summer because if it was in the summertime, he'd be rushing back. So um, yeah, that, that English team's very deep. Mm-hmm. All right, so we move on from that match to Aston Villa to Brighton nil. Stevie G, first match as a manager in the Premier League, uh, wins. Um, I wouldn't say convincingly. Brighton controlled this game very well, 63% possession. Uh, just weren't clinical and creative enough even to uh, produce a lot of chances. Even on the stats, Aston Villa had five shots on target compared to Brighton's two, even though they had the massive swing in possession. So, uh, early on, Aston Villa from the jump came right at Brighton. Very good play. John McGinn had a phenomenal game in there. He he looked like Chavy, pinging balls all around the field. Um, and the main question was, for me at least, 
for Stevie G was when it comes to the starting lineup, would he change the formation? How is he going to work Ings and not Watkins together up front together? Uh, and his solution, I think, is a good one. I think Danny Ings centrally alone up there is the right thing for him. Uh, he pushes Ollie Watkins out wide to the left, gives him more room to uh, for more space to roam in. Uh, and then on the opposite side, Emi Buendia, they push him out from a attacking mid-roll behind the strikers to a winger position where maybe he might get new looks. So I think that's going... A, f- what, yeah, what sorry, were you going to say? Sorry to cut you off. I was going to say that's a pretty versatile front three. Mm-hmm. Um, they can kind of blend to whatever Gerard wants them to do, which is nice. That 4-3-3 will be, work out pretty good for him in the long run, I think. Yeah, and the back line looked good here. Um Martinez had a couple great saves uh, for Brighton. We saw the emergence of Lamptey again. He's getting more and more minutes uh, starting matches now. He had a chance to score, but Martinez was even to the uh, was able to match him. Uh, and I mean, Villa's still missing a few key players in there. Um, it'll be tough this week going against a Crystal Palace team that's pretty uh, well molded together and um, have good cohesive uh, work rate together. I don't know what I was trying to say there. I had like three things in my head. They just work well together, I'll say that. Yep. You were talking about Villa's depth. They got uh, Leon Bailey on the bench there. He could work into that winger role very nicely. Yeah, we saw the old man, Ashley Young, come off the bench and assist yep. the first goal to Ollie Watkins. So, um, That's what a team like that needs, some experience to get them going. Yeah, and after uh, a five-match uh, losing streak, the, this was definitely a match they needed to win, uh, falling into that relegation battle. But they're climbing out of it, so good for them. Brighton still sliding, uh, still haven't gotten a win, I believe, their last six or seven matches. So um, they really need to figure something out there. We move on to one of the high-scoring games that nobody really saw. We have Burnley 3 Crystal Palace 3. Um, a lot of things going on in this game. Burnley scoring multiple goals in a match is unheard of. That's rare. Um, ben Teke getting a brace. Don't remember the last time that happened. Probably since his days at Probably in a Villa. Little, a Villa shirt. Yeah, yeah Villa. I was going to say Liverpool, but I don't even yeah, know he, if he had more than one goal in a game with them. Yeah, he had that spectacular bicycle kick, I believe, against Man United the one year, and that was main, that was the main thing he did there. Um, as well as Mark Way, uh, the, the man they signed from Chelsea this year, center back, got a goal. Um, on the Burnley side, we had Wood and me get goals for them, uh, as well as Max Cornet. Still, for me, their player of the season so far. He's just a dynamic player that they use very well uh, in yep. Sean Dyche. Um, you wouldn't expect someone like him to come into Burnley, but he's doing pretty well there. Yeah, it's some. Yeah, like you said, it's not the doesn't typical, fit the traditional English mold. Yeah, it's not not even the English mold. It's like just the Burnley system. It's right. Just, uh, something you don't really see. More um, physical and defensively based. Yeah, kind of, Dwight McNeil is kind of like that, but just doesn't have that speed and versatility um, as an athlete. He's more of a technical guy, but Cornet's kind of got it all, and that's something they value a lot. Um, the, the match was 3-2 at the half. Just Crystal Palace couldn't find the back of the net in the second, which um, I was hoping for. They let me down a little bit there. I took them this week, and Burnley stabbed me in the back again. But um, what do you think? Uh, uh, me and Evan have been pretty high about Crystal Palace the last few weeks. Uh, the beginning of the season, I said Vieira will probably be one of the first managers sacked because he doesn't have a good um, CV, a good resume in his past with other managing other clubs. We saw NYCFC. Uh, he went in the league uh, for a few seasons. Didn't have the best credibility and he came into this spot kind of like a lot of these new managers uh with not very much experience but he's he's had a solid group of players together um he's made some good signings and what do you think overall of him as a manager so far with this team and how they've kind of changed the 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 thought process when you think of a crystal palace game as a new manager like Vieira, it's rough to get your start. I mean, the, you're judging him based on his playing history, which doesn't always translate to the managerial side. Um, I think he could find some success in England, though, since he's got the most experience playing there, at least. It's where everyone knows him. Um, Palace has got a good group there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got guys like Zaha up front, star players like Zaha, that is. Um, 
Eze in there. I like him from Millwall when they brought him in. Um, they got a good group there. See what he can do. I think I think a solid mid-table finish is what he needs just to build some consistency. Yeah, Once right. he gets comfortable. Yeah, right where they are, they're in 10th, but they always finish in 14th somehow. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think a mid-table finish would be good for them. Yeah. He, he just needs to build up his his tenure at Palace there. Mm-hmm. He needs to get some get some seasons under his belt. Yeah, absolutely, and that's a tough thing to ask in the current game where uh, you, is. most of the times you get max two years uh, before they decide to move on. It's just not enough time for you to instill the culture you want at the club with your all of your players that you bring in. So If, if he makes it past two seasons there, I think he'll do all right. Yeah, I think him, his reputation as a player will hold him good there. And um, with how the team's playing now, I'm sure he'll be he'll be solid until the end of this year, unless something a catastrophe happens. But um, I don't see that happening unless one or two players get hurt for him. Uh, for Burnley, they got to start winning games. This is their sixth draw of the season, um, tied with Newcastle there for second most. Crystal Palace that was their seventh draw, so. Both of these teams really struggle to have that clinical edge and finish games off. So that's one thing that they need to be working on um, and just clean up the back line, which we know Burnley can be. But Crystal Palace over the past couple of weeks have been leaking goals left and right. Um, speaking of which, we move on. Newcastle 3, Brentford 3. Newcastle still looking for their first victory of the season um, with zero wins, six draws, and six defeats. Um, that's insane to think about. Yeah, and with the new ownership group coming in and all that money potentially going to be spent in January, it's looking like they need it because they just can't uh, figure out how to stop letting goals in. I don't think the scoring's huh. a problem. It's just um, the defense is a massive problem because they don't have the best depth. Um, and then even the guys that are there have played in the Premier League for a couple of seasons, but just don't cut the mold to um, to make Newcastle a winning culture there, have a winning a winning uh, a good streak. I should say. Um, Brentford, on the other end, is a team that's been sliding since the beginning of the season where they were hot. Um, Tooney and Rico Henry both getting on the score sheet there with a Jamel LaSalle's own goal. Uh, right after that, uh, LaSalle scored in the first 10 minutes of the game, so he kind of neutralized his own goal with a one against. So that's kind of that's a weird position to be as a player. Uh, we see Jolington get on the score sheet as well. Um, and then the third goal for Newcastle to tie the game was St. Maximin, who's been their most dynamic player and uh, probably one of the most exciting guys to watch for any team. In the he's my favorite season. player on that team. Yeah, he's got a signature style of play as well as a signature, like how he's got the headband, um, the way he has his hair. Like you can just pick him out from a, a bunch of people and just know like that's the guy. You can tell um, he's got that X factor about him. Yeah, he's a he's a very brandable player. He's he's a great guy to watch, and he's had his injuries in the past that he struggled with, but uh, so far so good this season. Nothing crazy yet, um, but the, yeah, that defense is a major problem for Newcastle right now. Um, Brentford just don't know how to go into these games and get up early and hold the lead. They've been really struggling to hold the lead over the last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, Newcastle dominated this game. I'm looking here on the stats: twenty three shots to Brentford's ten, nine on target to their four. Newcastle had more possession in this game. Newcastle are the worst possession team in the league, uh, even below Burnley. On thirty-eight, They averaged 38% possession. So um, Brentford really have massive problems to deal with, um, and it's, their schedule is not getting any easier moving forward. So they really need to have a statement match, a clean sheet. A clean sheet would go a long way in the motivation of the players. Um in the back line, as well as uh, the manager, will have some sort of state of mind that uh, they can just build a point they can build off of moving forward. Um, but you can look back. Um, sorry, cut you off you again. Can. They did. They did take a point off of Liverpool earlier in the season. Yeah, they just need to watch the film on those matches and see where um, where they can uh, replicate that in the future matches. So, um, right. What do you think about Newcastle? Do you see their first win coming in the next couple weeks? Their next oh, three matches is Ars- they pictures, play Arsenal, yeah. Arsenal, Norwich, and Burnley. Do you see a win in those three games? They could take at least one win. Maybe not away at Arsenal, but coming back home, I think they beat Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just out outscore them. Mm-hmm. If that's what it comes down to. I looked at 
Newcastle's past results. This this past week was their first game. They scored more than two goals, but yeah. three against Brentford there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they get it done. And Norwich is my pick for them to get their first win. Yeah. Speaking of Norwich, move on to that match. Their second win in a row this season. Uh, two to Southampton's one. Southampton right away early lead. Uh, Dean Smith's first match as Norwich manager. Uh, five, or I should say, ten days after being sacked from Aston Villa. Uh, gets a big win for him and the Canaries to climb out of the last place position of the league. Now they're in 19th. Two straight wins for Norwich. Um, do you think they can build off of this, or do you think it's kind of a fluke? Uh, I just checked the stat sheet. I mean, they were about half as much in shots and the passes as Southampton. But you don't have to win it on the stat sheet to win the game. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think early on they got the equalizer and had their fair share of chances, but Southampton's uh, one of the top eight teams in the league uh, when it comes to possession and just uh, knowing their system well, and it's tough for Norwich, who doesn't really have a true identity. They just have a bunch of players together, um, mixed a lot of young players they brought in on loan and players they bought from other leagues that they took a chance on, Um, and a couple aren't panning out, but Timu Puki's their main guy. He scored... I think about 90% of their goals this season. So yep. um, he's he's so valuable to the, for that team. And if he he goes down, they're going to have a major, major crisis uh, going forward. But do you think it's, it's kind of a disappointment for Southampton? Southampton's done really well so far uh, the last couple weeks, getting big wins uh, against Aston Villa, Watford, um, as well as uh, Leeds. All these are 1-0 wins, but... Uh, they're beating competition at their level, and now they play a team below them in the table and struggle. Uh, do you think it's kind of a fluke, or do you think this is uh, something that other teams can look into to exploit Southampton? I think it could lead to some exploits, analyzing Southampton's errors. I mean, historically, they've done decently against top six teams. Yeah. Um, took a point off United. City. They've had solid history with City in the past few seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there could be a takeaway from that loss, though. Okay. All right, we move on to probably the biggest upset of the week that with all the major storylines coming after the match. We have Watford 4, Manchester United 1, um, Josh King, Ismailisar, João Pedro, and Dennis all getting goals for Watford. Donnie Van de Beek getting his goal for United, as well as a red card for Harry Maguire. So he will be suspended for the Chelsea match. Um, major there. But in this match, what were your... I'm not going to say anything. What were your takeaways from it, Zach? Well, I actually didn't watch the match, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, I can only assume how it went. Once the, the first half ended, two nil down. Uh, United's once they go down to a, a lower team, I would say in the table, Watford is bottom half. I would consider mm-hmm. um, they seem to struggle pull it out of the bag, and they did here. McGuire yeah. getting a double yellow, making some sloppy challenges. I would assume. I do like seeing Van de Beek in the team more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Ronaldo out there, but he can only do so much. I just think the team lacks an identity, similar to how you were talking about Norwich. I think it's about time Solskjaer got the boot, in my opinion. Yeah, that was my next point um, with the fallout after the match. Do you think it was the right move to let Ollie go? Uh, we saw after the match, uh, Ollie made the players go and cheered the away fans, the United faithful that came and watched them. And uh, Bruno was telling the fans that, it's not Ollie's fault, it's the player's fault. What do you think, uh, behind, what's behind that sentiment? Do you think it's true? Do you think it's more on the players than Ollie? Or do you think it's always been Ollie? Well, I would, as, I would assume Ollie's a very nice individual, and Bruno making that statement that it's not his fault kind of proves my assumption there. It doesn't prove it, but leads me to stick with that assumption that Ollie's just a nice guy and wants the best for his, his players. Um I just think I always say United needs balls. They need they need a manager. I always look at like uh, Klopp or Tuchel now, uh, both Germans, ironically enough. 
just coming in and taking their respective teams and I don't know, molding a unique style. Tuchel really took Chelsea and turned him, turned him into a powerhouse uh, defensively. Uh, United's just kind of got a bunch of star guys. Not kind of, they do. They have a bunch of star players who just need to gel together or play to a manager's style. And I think they'll they'll boom after that. Yeah, I think the they're very top heavy. Obviously, like you said, Ronaldo can't do Agreed. everything. I mean, he's not going to come back and defend. That's not his role anymore. Um, I was saying this last week. Bruno's production in numbers last year: eighteen goals, twelve assists. Currently, four currently four goals, three assists. Three of those goals came in the first week against Leeds. Do you think there needs to be more on him uh, to produce, like he did in previous years, since he joined in uh in the winter transfer window a few seasons ago? Do you think? Um, maybe he feels like somebody's breathing down his back the, with the shadow of Ronaldo there. Um, do you think he could be providing more? I think rotating the team is a solid option and showing these guys that their, their rules aren't a lock. Van de Beek came into the team here and got himself a goal. I think he deserves more playing time. Yeah. I think we should go more towards ro- rotating the squad. Maybe drop Bruno. Uh, drop his playing time in a few matches. He'll definitely be upset about that. Um, but I think it's the right move to rotate the squad. I think some of those academy players and signings that are rotting away on the bench deserve a shot. Yeah, this will be the last thing I'll ask you, and then we can move on. But what do you think of Jaden Sancho so far? Uh, it's gone as I expected. I, I, I didn't think he was going to explode onto the scene. I, I assumed he was going to... Not fade away, but just blend into the United squad, yeah. as a lot of star guys usually do when they come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I, I think it's an, I don't know if it's an oversaturation of talent, but it's they're just a, a bunch of star guys who are not playing to a system. They're they're playing to their own strengths rather than um, a guiding leader at the forefront. Yeah, and I and I don't think Ole was that guy. Yeah, well, now you guys bring in a German manager of your own, Spartak Moscow, apparently the mentor to Thomas Tuchel and Julian uh, Nagelsmann. I, I'm not pronouncing that right, but um, two great minds of the game. So he'll be an interim manager, and I believe the article I read, he'll after this season, he'll be a two year consultant for the team, whatever that means. But um, he's not the long term guy; he's just there until somebody else is free. I'm assuming. Um, But uh, for Watford, I'll say this isn't truly who they are. They're not a team that's going to beat United 4-1. No. We've seen in the past they've struggled with the ball and um, have struggled to put the ball in the back of the net. So I think this game was a fluke for them. They just caught uh, United at the right time and the right place to take advantage of them. And thankfully they did it in front of their home crowd. So everyone who attended that match got a nice, nice afternoon. Yeah. Okay. We move on to Wolves 1, West Ham 0. Huge win for Wolves here. Um, This was a statement win for them, for me. Um, Now they sit 6th place, 6 wins, 1 draw, and 5 defeats. They've only scored 12 goals, but they've only conceded 12 goals. So um, defensively sound team, but their struggles will always be up front. Um, And it's funny because last week, if you guys didn't listen, go check it out. Um, But I... I made the comment that uh, Raul Jimenez was washed and uh, he was over the hump and that he's just not the guy for them and he scored the winning goal for them in in this game. So, um, must have been listening to the show. Somebody must have told him. Um, But yeah, he got a a goal. Uh, The assist coming from Podence, who's back from being out for a long time with injury. So, um, they have key guys starting to come back and I think they overall have a really nice team and... um, it's a huge win, especially over this West Ham team who's flying this year. Um, what do you think about these two teams this year so far? I think it's it was fitting that it was a low-scoring, grindy game yeah. between two low-scoring, grindy teams. Um, Wolves stepped up and got it done. I think Jimenez getting that game winner gives him a nice energy boost. Uh, like you said, with Podence coming back, if they get their team back to full strength and full fitness, I think Wolves could make a, a nice second-half push 
in the season here after Christmas or right up right up before Christmas actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I think West Ham bounces back from that result though. Because let's see who they got coming up. Well, they got City coming up. They better bounce back. <laughs> Yeah, West Ham's at a really, really tough uh, spot this Christmas window moving forward. So. They got City coming up, Chelsea. Uh, I think they can bounce back from that that tight Wolves game, though. I don't think they'll let it tr- uh, shrug them off too much. Yeah, that was one of those games that could have gone either way um, for either team. So, uh, great result for Wolves. Uh, we move on to the last match of that Saturday window. Um, Liverpool four, Arsenal nil. Now this game was one-sided, heavy, heavily, obviously, but this was a match for Arsenal that if they could get a result out of it, um, it could, could it could legitimize that eight-match unbeaten run. Now it's well, Arsenal were never that team, and the the gap you just see how big that gap is between the top three teams and everybody else right now is what it seems like to me. Uh, Chelsea, Man City, and Liverpool are in their own league, uh, and all the other teams are just are just striving to get that fourth Champions League spot. Do you feel it's the same way after seeing this? Do you think there's such a huge gap between those top tier teams and everybody else? I think there's a, a gap, definitely. But uh, looking at this from a more Arsenal angle, this, there couldn't have been a more fitting uh, bullet point to the Arsenal storyline. This is a vintage arsenal result i believe they have their ups and their downs and they're yeah. uh down downward trend right now uh liverpool arsenal games are usually exciting with a lot of goals just unfortunate that it was very one-sided this time around mm-hmm. yeah you you, uh, you could definitely see the flaws in that arsenal team and uh, my main thing was the average age of each team uh liverpool much more experienced and older team compared to Arsenal being young and inexperienced, you could tell in this match just uh, how much Liverpool exploited them. Yeah, that's another good point to make. Liverpool's also got a lot of recent silverware. Yep. They're the team to watch, a lot of eyes on that game. I'm yep. sure there was a high attendance, 53,000 at the game. That stadium was buzzing. Yeah, I think Mikel can take a, a lot of points from this game and uh, have bulletin board material for the next time they'll play them. Um, later in the season, and they can learn from these things. So that's one thing they can move on. But um, they're in a, they're still in a great spot, fifth place. I mean, nothing nothing to hang your head on. Uh, a lot of people didn't think Arsenal would be in this top seven area um, currently. So we move on to the Sunday window, the two matches that were played on Sunday. First, Man City-Everton. Uh, we knew from the start Man City was going to crush here. Uh, Evan and I both predicted a 3-0 win, and it ended 3-0. Oh, there you go. Um, so if anybody had that, congrats to you. Uh, the goal scorers, Raheem Sterling, Rodri, Bernardo Silva. Um, I think the thing for me, the Jao Cancelo assist to Sterling was probably the assist of the season for me. Um, outside the boot pass from 35 out, a straight ball over the top, not even uh, angled. It was just straight down the middle. It was an incredible pass that um, Kevin De Bruyne would be proud of himself. Uh, who was out of this game with COVID-19, so he will be out for the next couple matches as well. Um, but we've seen in the past that they, they're okay without him. Uh, no Grealish, they're okay without him. Um, they're just that deep. They're just one of those teams. And Everton had probably the worst performance of the season. One shot on target, four in total, 22% possession. Um, if this is just a textbook city domination. From the from the Everton angle, if you're a player on that team and you only have 22% possession, what do you think's going through your head? You're praying that the match uh, ends very quickly. Yeah. Get it over with and move on to the next week. Yeah, I mean, they, they have academy players playing out there that Cole Palmer started. Um, as well. I mean, that's good experience for those players. Yeah, I mean, they're, but, they're just rotating people in there. We saw no Ruben Diaz in this game. They went with Laporte and John Stones. There wasn't a way I could see them coming away from that game with anything more than a goose egg. This Everton team is so ass. The We were saying last week, they don't have an They've attack. They've got a few injuries in there, too. Calvert Lewin's out. That's their guy. He's their main scorer. And DeCorey in the middle is their main driver. Allen can't do it alone. He's getting rotated in there with Tom Davies and Fabian Delph. 
they're not giving him any help. And then he has all these other young wingers, experienced wingers that just can't score goals consistently. So they just have nothing going forward. And it's like, uh, you don't want to watch these games. They're just sounds to me like a team that could use a good signing or two in January. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what we were saying. Rafa make, we were saying after the first six games, like Rafa made good signings. We found a deal in Damari Gray, um, as well as Allen. Well, not Allen, I should say. I mean, um, did he bring anybody else in But besides Damari Gray? I'm trying to think. Do a quick check on that. It's... I don't think so. I thought he brought in Gray, no. and that was it. Gray's the biggest one there. Yes, I mean, he didn't really... In terms of starting potential. He, he, he didn't bring anybody new in, and I don't know if they were going to spend that much money, but this this team is boring to watch, in my opinion. And I have no faith in, in them in Vintage future matches. Everton. I know, it's just poor. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add about City or Everton here? Or no, that's about it. Just echoing what I said, textbook City domination. If any team can take some injuries... Um, their whole bench and reserves could start on any other team in the league. Yeah. Okay, we go to the final match. Spurs 2, Leeds 1. This game could have gone either way for me. Um, I picked Leeds to win the game, and when Dan James scored that first goal, I, I had good good feelings about it. Um, I just thought in my head that the work rate would be the difference maker. Uh, both managers love high work rates in their players, and um, the ball just fell kindly, in my opinion, to Tottenham in both of their goal, um, in both of their goals, um, a crash rebound in from Regalon off a free kick, and the first one, uh, Hoiberg, it was like a back pass from Lucas. Lucas has been playing great in that system there for Conte so far, but um, uh, still no goals for Harry Kane in the Premier League. He did score today in the conference league, but they did lose in the 94th minute to some team I've never heard of in my life. Um, just just Tottenham doing Tottenham things, but in this match particularly, it was uh, it just went in their way. Uh, this was a much-needed three points. Antonio Conte's first win um, as the Spurs manager. Uh, what do you think of the, sign, of the appointment, I should say, of him uh, to the helm of the Tottenham job. Do you think it's a good fit? Do you think he can get something more that uh, Nuno and Mourinho weren't getting out of this group of players? I think time will, time will only tell if it's a good fit. Um, they're in the right uh, range with their managerial signings, though. I think Tottenham does need a top-tier manager. That's the next step for them. They can, they've proven they can fight the big dogs. They just need... a some quality at the helm to hold them there and to give them that silverware that they desperately need. Yeah. It's just a shame that coming into the year, Harry Kane had those contract troubles and that's bleeding in through bleeding into the season with his production. Yeah. On the other end for Leeds, they're sitting 17th currently two wins, five draws, five defeats. Do you think that that uh, rookie year flair has, has uh, fallen away? Or do you think it's uh, yet to, to yet to spark up again? I think it's more so yet to spark up again. They've definitely splashed onto the scene that first season. Um, they just need to recapture that energy, and Leeds will be flying high. Yeah, but they're in a bit of a slump right now. I think. Yeah, I think the loss of Ben for the last seven games. I believe he's been out. Has been massive. He's been the guy that's, he that's scored. A big hit. He scored 18 goals for them last season in the league, and they just don't have anybody to replicate those numbers. Um, the youngster up front for them, I think his name is uh, Joe Gelhart. Um, that guy's fun to watch. Um, a couple weeks ago he played, I think. Um, they lost to Southampton or something, but he was so fast. He's from Liverpool, 19 years old. Um, he was somebody I enjoyed watching. I think he needs more game time for them over uh, Rodrigo or... Tyler Roberts, he's definitely somebody I like watching there. But, yeah, I mean, um, it's just tough defeat after tough defeat for them. And just it's just not going their way. But I definitely could see a stretch of games for them in the near future go their way. We've got Brighton, Palace, and Brentford up next. So if they run up the scoreline there, I think they can build some confidence off of that. Yeah, I can definitely see them get seven points or uh, five to seven points from those games. 
Okay. All right, that concludes the game week 12 recap. Uh, we're doing good on time, better than what me and Evan usually do. Um, now we go into our game week 13 predictions. We're getting our guest predictions from Zach. We're going to see how he does this week because right now, currently, if I pull out my phone here on the Pick'em, uh, last week's games, Evan went 3-7 and seven for the third straight week. I went 4-6 and six for the second week in a row. Uh, overall records, we are both 54 and 66. What do you think about those records? Do you think they could be better? Or do you think that's pretty good? I think that's pretty fair. Out of 120 Second, games? If you can stick close to a 500 record, I'd say that's pretty fair. Yeah. What do you think you're shooting for in this week here? Out of 10 games, how many do you think you'll get right? I mean, the respectable answer would be to go 500, get half of them right. But, uh, my debut on the scene i want to make a splash yeah. shoot for shoot for three quarters correct oh wow you go for seven out of three or seven seven and three. seven's a good number i'll shoot for that i'm looking here um evan has gone seven and three once this year i have not my best has been six and four so that would be a the second time only this season uh, something went seven and three, so it's very very tough to do. But I gotta do respectable for the guest pickums. Yeah, you just gotta, gotta see. You just gotta see the board clearly. That's all. All right, first game of the week, Saturday, seven thirty, early window. Arsenal hosting Newcastle. You want to lead off on this one, or do you want me to give it my take? I'll I'll lead off on this one, and I'll lead off with an interesting choice. I'm gonna call it tie. Ooh. The Arsenal-Newcastle game. Do I need a score prediction with that, or is it just the results? It's just, you just pick the result, but if you feel a, a clinging to a, a number, you can give that too, just so you look back and just be happy that you said that. I don't know about the goal specifics. I do like uh, Newcastle to definitely get on the board from Sam Maximin. Uh, I'm just going to call straight up draw on that Arsenal-Newcastle game. See, More, I thought- more struggles for Arsenal, and yet another draw for Newcastle seems about right to me. Yeah, I agree with some of your points there, but I'm on the same same thought process that Arsenal, this is an Arsenal slump going on that's going to start here. Um, and I think Newcastle is going to get their first win away from home. I think Newcastle with St. Max is too much for that defense. They're not going to be able to contain him, uh, especially last week after dealing with similar players like Salah and Mane. Uh, just players that um, you have to expect the unexpected, and he's one of those players, in my opinion. I think he's going to run rampant on the on the North London team uh, on the red side. So I'm going to go with the Newcastle first win of the season against Arsenal because that would be the team they beat. Uh, we move on to Crystal Palace, Aston Villa. This game for me, out of all the games, was the toughest one to think about. That is a tough choice. Um, Two new managers. I love Crystal Palace. They've been awesome to watch. But Aston Villa last week, the game went against them. The flow of the game went against them. They didn't hold the ball well. Um, but at the in the end, they won the game off of two clinical chances. Crystal Palace is a team that is leaking a lot over the past few weeks, giving up, uh, what is that, a total of, oh, I shouldn't even say that. They two two the... After, before the 3-3 tie last week, it was they had two 2-0 two wins uh, over Wolves and Man City. So they're in flying form. I shouldn't discredit them there. Um, so I'm going to go with a Palace win here again. I think CVG is going to lose. I still think that Aston Villa has problems. Um, they still can probably make this a game because the players love CVG, and he brings a lot of energy to that club more more so than Dean Smith did. But... I think the way Crystal Palace plays and uh, can exploit a lot of Aston Villa's flaws. I'm going to give Villa the edge here with their experienced players. I think Villa pulls this one out in a rough and grindy game. Okay, that's fair. All right, we move on to Liverpool hosting Southampton. Southampton historically giving all their best players to Liverpool over the past couple of decades. Um Shout-outs to Ricky Lambert. Yep, Sadio Mane, um, Nathaniel Klein. Uh, I'm trying to forget. 
I'm trying to remember, not forget. Adam Lallana, he's yep. moved on since. Yeah, so a few players there. But um, in the back of my head is when you were saying that Southampton perform well against the big teams, and they definitely do. Um, they do perform good against the big teams. I'm going to go ahead with my or my uh, prediction here. I don't see Liverpool dropping this game at home. I'm going to go Liverpool. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't see that either. Um, There's just too much too much on the offense going forward there even if they do get into a shootout i think liverpool pulls it out yeah i just don't see southampton doing very well in the counterattack. i don't think they have that speed to get by those defenders when they catch them out so nope. i'm gonna go with liverpool okay we go on to the next match dorwich hosting wolves on paper this is a pretty easy one you go wolves but norwich on a win streak right now this could be a major upset for them. This could be their biggest win of the season over a huge, uh, uh, what am I trying to say, huge, uh, a team in the top six currently. Um, both teams struggle to score goals, um, but Wolves do well defensively. So I'm going to say a Wolves win, probably 1-0. I'll agree with you there. A Wolves low-scoring win there. I think they're going to pull some form together, maybe another... Jimenez go on there um, saying that not just because he's on my fantasy team, but uh, I think he'll find a good run of form. I got Wolves there as well. Okay. All right, we move on to the last game on Saturday, the 1230 matchup, Eastern Standard Time. We have Brighton hosting Leeds. Straight off the bat, I'm going Leeds here. I do not like Brighton. That's my reason. That's all the analysis? Yeah. personal feeling there. I, I was saying last week that Brighton's, I just hate Brighton. I don't know why. There's just something about him I don't like. So I'm going to carry that sentiment. But I'm looking here. Uh, they've only played each other two times ever, uh, both of those matches last season. And Brighton won both of those matches, 1-0 and 2-0, respectively. So Leeds have never scored against Brighton. Interesting. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with another draw there. I'm going to pick two draws on my on my score sheet here. I'm feeling a, a draw. I think it'll be an interesting matchup. I think Leeds with a limited history against Brighton will affect them in that game. Mm. They've been fairly low scoring in their past few games. I'm going to call a draw there in the Brighton-Leeds game. Yeah, it's always nice to have a couple draws because I was looking back over the last 12 weeks. There's only been one week where there was no draws. Um, so there's always one or two draws thrown in here. Oh, there we go. That's the Saturday game, son. We move on to Brentford-Everton, and I will be taking a draw on this game. Um, both teams are looking pretty shit. Um, if I had to pick a winner, I'd go Brentford. But I can definitely see Everton score on a set piece here. That's what they are better at, I would say, in the attacking front currently. Uh, they have great size in the back line. A lot of uh, bruisers coming out of the back, and Michael Keane, um, Ben Godfrey, um, and you never know from a Dinier cross what could happen. So I'm going to go with a draw. I'm going to take Brentford to win that game. I think they hold hold strong defensively okay. uh, versus those Everton set pieces. I think Brentford pulls that one out at home. Yeah, Brentford currently are in the worst form. I think right now, one draw and four defeats in their last five. So. They need something out of this game. I got him winning that. All right, we'll move on to Burnley hosting Spurs. Spurs coming off of a nice win over Leeds. Burnley coming off an absolute scorcher tie against Crystal Palace. I'm going to go with a Burnley win. I'm going to go with a shocker here. I'm going to go Burnley here. I think Spurs is overrated still. I have not bought into the Conte system yet. Um, I think Burnley can get their number here uh, with Chris Wood. I'm going to agree with you there. I like Burnley at home here. I think they're going to slow the game down. Um, they're going to keep Tottenham at bay. Uh, they they might take a few a few bad chances, but defensively they can hold. I think they can hold that Spurs team. I got Burnley there as well. Yeah. Um, the last time these teams played, Spurs won 4-0 back in February. Burnley has played... Uh, this match has been played 14 times in total. Spurs has won nine of those, where Burnley's only won twice. Um, that's that's a rough history. 
So it doesn't go in their favor. And Spurs outscores them 30-10 to 10 overall in the history. So, But Burnley will win on this day. All right, we move on to Leicester City Watford. Going with a draw. Um, I think Leicester, without Tillemans, is huge. I don't think they're going to be able to score as much. Um, Watford, on the other hand, I, I like last week um, against United, I think it was a fluke. I don't think they'll be able to replicate that game this week. And they'll go back to a mediocre performance here in a draw against the Foxes. I'm going to take Watford outright. I think they do take some energy from that United win on the road to a, a struggling Leicester. They beat a struggling United and go to a struggling Leicester. I think Watford pulls that out. Yeah, Watford currently is uh, Saar um, might not be able to play or he'll be limited in minutes. We picked up an injury in the United game after hit, taking a, a very hard challenge from Van de Beek. So one of their key guys up front, uh, that top three of King, Dennis, and Saar, um, he's been a massive enforcer for them up front in the scoring end of things. All right, moving to the last two matches, probably the biggest ones of the week. We go Manchester City hosting West Ham. Uh, another chance for West Ham to prove themselves against uh, one of those top three teams. Obviously, um, they already beat Liverpool. They haven't played Chelsea yet. Uh, and they already beat Man City earlier in the year in the Carabao Cup. So they've already beaten them once this year. Zach, can they beat them again? I don't think so. I think he got a, a very strong city at home here. Um, with De Bruyne out, I don't think that matters too much. Cities, 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 very well at home. Very tough to play at, at the at the Etihad. I think City gets the dub here. Yeah, I'm looking back to the last time these guys played back in February. Pretty much identical teams for, to that last game. Um, the only difference being for West Ham, they had Jesse, uh, Jesse Lingard. It ended 2-1 in the city's favor. They dominated possession, but shared even chances on target here. So I think it's going to be a low-scoring affair, but I think it's going to go in Man City's favor. I think City has the advantage there with that possession. They can control the flow of the game. Yeah, but I think that suits West Ham's style against these big teams. We already saw how exactly it went against Liverpool, and I think it's going to go similar here. But just the way Man City ping the ball around. and That's true. Seeing what they can create out of nothing, like we saw from uh, Cancelo's assist last week, um, anything's possible here. I think that'll be the most exciting game of the week. Yeah. Uh, finally, we move on to the last game of the week. Chelsea hosting Manchester United, uh, our two favorite clubs going up against each other. Now, historically, the last two meetings in the league ended nil-nil. Are we going to get goals in this game? I'm going to tear the Band-Aid off quick. I think Chelsea wins this game. Well, I'll, I'll say this about the both teams have injury issues and suspension issues. Chelsea are going to have no no Kovacic, no Chilwell, um, and potentially um, no N'Golo Kante. So massive midfield issues and a key player at the wingback role out positives being Lukaku's back as well as Werner so he should be available this week which is a massive boost excuse me I'm like hiccuping and yawning from all that food I apologize but um that's a huge plus for them on the Manchester United side more defensively they have problems no Maguire after the suspension in the Watford game got the double yellow no Varane so low on center backs it's going to be Probably Wambasaka, Lindelof, Bailly, and um, Luke Shaw. Shaw. So, I mean, Luke Shaw's been dealing with, uh, I think he had like a concussion or something. Uh, had a big knock. So, right now they're saying he's a doubt for the Chelsea game. So, Alex Tellez will probably slide in. Tellez. Um, Maybe Dello. Yeah, you never know. Mason Greenwood is out with COVID. Um, we know Pogba's out, so... Man United's looking very light in there. We'll probably see Van de Beek back in there. He's somebody I'll be afraid of uh, going forward. Obviously, Bruno and Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, that's always a scary two-headed dragon, but they haven't been firing on not even all cylinders, on maybe two cylinders. They've been lacking. Um, so I'm going to go with Chelsea here. Um, I'm 9-3 and three this year picking Chelsea games, and um, I think this will be ten and three. I don't think. I think not. Tuchel's got his tactics down. Uh, I don't see them folding at home there. 
Yeah, and I think the way Chelsea plays with those whipped balls in from those wing backs is going to really expose yep. Bayi and they're going to talk around the by and Linda Love, definitely. So I think this is definitely going to be like a 2-0 win for Chelsea here. I'm expecting some bookings between the two of them as well. Yeah, this is definitely going to be a chippy Love. game. I will say that. This is going to be a very chippy game. Um, all right. That concludes our Game Week 13 previews. Now, I know I was texting with Evan before we started recording this episode here, me and Zach. Um, there are midweek games starting Tuesday, which will be before our usual um, next episode. We always usually record on Wednesdays. So I think Evan and I are planning on doing another recording in the next couple of days and uploading it on Monday for these particular matches, just so our current episode here that we're doing isn't over like an hour and a half, um, just to keep it shorter for you guys. But yeah, there will be another episode coming out uh, within the next couple of days. So make sure you're stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll probably do a couple of those because December is the craziest month in um, the season. Uh, I think every week now until New Year's, there's going to be midweek games. So you guys will probably be getting a lot of episodes this uh, upcoming, these next coming weeks. So um, make sure you stay tuned. Check us out on all of our socials, uh, at Post20Pod, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, make sure you're listening on all of our streaming platforms here on SoundCloud, Spotify, if you'd like, over there, or Apple Podcasts, if, that you're, if that's your thing. Uh, make sure you follow us. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. Uh, we have old episodes on there that we recorded video along with our audio version that we always do so if you want to go over there subscribe to our channel um, hit the notification bells as well as on our socials so you're notified whenever we have new posts um, evan does his football show that episode just came out i believe yesterday uh, for week 11 am i wrong in saying that no week 12 um, the week 12 oh, preview it. So, um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Zach, I really appreciate you coming on here, uh, giving your two cents. I'm sure you'll get go at least six and four in your pick em because that's usually how it goes when somebody new comes on here. Uh, they'll show us all up. Um, but, yeah, is there anything else you want to add before we sign off here? That's pretty much it. I'm just excited to see United without Ole. I want to see how they transition. Yep, Very excited. They already got uh, their first win over Villarreal 2-0, so we'll see if they'll be able to do it against the league leaders. Van de Beek's um, the new talisman. Yep. All right. Remember that, guys. Van de Beek. Make sure you put all your money on him anytime goal scorer. Uh, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week.